Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week. We've got a wild card game to break down as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 385. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films so that we can break down Sunday's wild card matchup between the Eagles and the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Bucks. These two teams met back in week six, but there have been a lot of changes with both of these teams since that point. We're going to break it all down under the scope of this Sunday's matchup right at the top of the show. Before we get there, a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, make sure you head on over to our Apple podcast page. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question about this team or the status of it moving forward, uh, any question you've got at all, that is the place to leave it. We will answer it here on an upcoming episode of the podcast. And also, make sure you are subscribed. and You get the, uh, the podcast sent to your phone every single week. Uh, you don't even need to do anything. It gets sent to your phone automatically. Thanks so much to everybody that has left us uh, your support over on our Apple podcast page. Also, while you're over there, make sure you subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Look, uh, we are on the cusp of draft season, right? It's, it's January. It's 2022. The draft is just four months away. The Senior Bowl, just a couple of weeks away. The Shrine Bowl, the week before that. So we are getting closer and closer and closer to talking about these draft prospects in earnest. And we've been doing that for months over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. So if you want to get a head start on who the top names are, who's, who's going to be talked about with mock drafts and the top 10 rankings, now is the time. Jump on over. The Eagles have three first-round picks in the 2022 draft. Get a head start on who those names are going to be by subscribing to the Journey to the Draft podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. That said, uh, let's start this podcast. I'm excited to sit down with Greg Cosell. It's going to be a fun discussion here in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, excited to dive into this Eagles-Bucks matchup here with my friend Greg Cosell from NFL Films. And Greg, I guess before we turn our attention to Sunday's game against the Tampa Bay Bucks for the wild card round, I want to really quickly reflect on what I thought was a really unique opportunity for this Eagles team, one that most NFL teams don't usually get. I actually made the comparison on the kickoff show the other night on Saturday night uh, to a college team in a bowl game scenario where you, get a, you really get a good chance from an evaluation standpoint to get a really good look at the, the bottom third of your roster, including so many practice. I mean, there were 12 practice squad players seeing yeah. significant snaps uh, in Saturday's game. We don't need to get into the nitty gritty of, of the performance and the outcome, but I thought just a, a really good opportunity for the team to be able to get eyes on all of their young players. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it was, it was a good way to do that. Um, I was particularly interested in watching Milton Williams, someone who we've talked about, who does play as part of the rotation when everybody's playing. Uh, but they had him in this given game play kind of the Josh Sweat position where he lined up in, in that five-man front as kind of the 4-I-5 four, four technique and as an edge pass rusher in the four-man D-line, which we haven't seen a lot of this season. Normally he plays inside and I think they probably wanted to get a look at him on the edge rushing the quarterback because he's very athletic. We saw that with his measurables at his pro day. He's a very athletic kid, and I think they wanted to see him do that. But you watch him, and we've talked about this, Fran. What continued to stand out was, in the run game in particular, was his point of attack leverage, his strength, 
there were snaps in which he controlled and displaced offensive linemen. I, I'm, I would imagine the Eagle organization and the coaching staff, I'm really excited to see the development of Milton Williams because I think he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, and I think it's just it's so interesting just reflecting back, obviously watching the game Saturday night, but uh, you see the the backups and the, the deep reserves. I don't even see, think saying backups is a testament to I know. exactly what yeah. we saw. I mean, a lot of guys you just don't see uh, during a regular season game playing significant snaps, going toe-to-toe with Dallas for a large chunk uh, yes. of that game. And I, to me, it's so big not only for the scouting staff to get eyes on some of these guys. I mean, look, Jason Huntley gets promoted to the 53-man roster today. Does that happen if last week, if he doesn't get into those significant snaps last week i don't know but that's like the most a recent case where you could say hey that helps but even when you get to this spring when the team is making decisions on free agency and draft prospects when they get to the summer and you get a sense of uh final cutdowns you're going to get look back at this film and it's going it's going to weigh on you because uh in, in preseason you're going up against other guys that, that are on the bottom end of the roster here you got a chance to see young players, draft picks, undrafted free agents, guys that have bounced around you know, from team to team that have kind of been journeymen and this is their last shot, getting that chance to go up against a division winner in the Cowboys. Just a really cool, unique opportunity uh, for everybody involved. And I think the other guy that I was happy to see, because as you know, and I think we agreed on his evaluation coming out of college, even though we opted out of 2020, I was really happy to see Kenneth Gainwell. I thought yeah. he showed real well. I, I think he's someone to keep an eye on going forward. I mean, obviously, I don't know what their plans are. We're still in the season. We have a playoff game to talk about right. momentarily. So we're still in the 2021 season. But just going forward, you know, who knows about a Jordan Howard or a Boston Scott or, who, you know, we know Miles Sanders is going to be here, you know. So but to me, Kenneth Gainwell is a really fascinating player. And I thought he showed well on Saturday night. Yeah, I thought he did some really good things, and we can yeah. get into uh, the nitty-gritty there, but I think that more people are tuned in right now uh, to get your thoughts on this game up going up against the Tampa Bay Bucks. And we can start on whatever side of the football you want, Craig. I'm just going to lay it out the, the, this way. How do you like the Eagles' chances uh, on Sunday <laughs> afternoon? Uh, I'll just lay it out that way. How, how do you like well, the Eagles' chances, and I'll let you go from there. Well, you know, I, I don't know if I want to give it away right at the start, so let's let's talk about a couple of, you know, matchup elements to the sure. game uh, first. Um, we know what the Eagles are at this point offensively, whether they're exactly that, that I will get to, but we know up to this point that they're a running football team. We know that Jalen Hurts up to this point has not been asked to drop back an awful lot in games by choice. I think it was you who had mentioned to me that he's only had 30 or more drop, uh, I should say pass attempts, actual pass attempts in one game, which was the Giants loss in what, like the last seven or eight weeks, correct? Yep. Whatever, the, sure. whatever the number is. It's and that line of demarcation happened shortly after this game against the Bucks, by the way. Correct. So we know what the Eagles offense has been and what they likely have to be to a certain degree. But they're playing against a Buck defense that is very, very good with their front group. Now, this is a defense that will play with a four-man front, a five-man front. You see a lot of what we call 5-2 with five across and two stack backers. Um, and what they like to do there is they like to sort of play with a reduced front at times where they cover the center. And that will be a very intriguing matchup in this game. You could easily make the argument Jason Kelsey's a Hall of Famer. But we all know that one of the things that's not his strength is when he has to play with power against a big, big nose tackle. And that's a matchup. For those who don't always watch the ball, if they want to watch a matchup that's really worth watching, 
Look at Jason Kelsey versus Vita Vea. That's going to be a very intriguing matchup because Vea will be the zero technique head up on Kelsey in their five-man front. And then, of course, they have Ndamukong Sue, another big man who's very mobile, very active, as Vea is, by the way. So the interior, when you're talking about the Eagles' inside zone run game, which is a foundation of what they do, Fran, that's going to be a fascinating part of this game. You know, we know the Eagles have been built on the run. Um, they've been phenomenal running the ball really until the Washington game, putting aside the Dallas game, not really relevant for the purposes of our conversation now. But really, they dominated pretty much every opponent they played running the ball until the Washington game when two really good interior players in Payne and Allen gave them some issues. So it'll be fascinating to see how this plays out. So I'll, I'll stop there for a moment and then we can kind of continue. I'll, you know, you can jump in here. Yeah. Well, it's funny. You mentioned the Washington game, the, the week 17 Washington game, because I right. and just kind of thinking about this matchup, the, the week 15 Washington game, uh, which was at Lincoln financial field. That was the one that was bumped to Tuesday night due to the COVID issues uh, surrounding the football team. Uh, looking at that matchup and just how the Eagles were able to move the football on the ground. That was an outstanding out, uh, offensive performance on that Tuesday night. The Eagles did a great job of, especially early on, leaning on some of those perimeter runs. Yes. Get Payne and Allen, those guys chasing sideline to sideline. And then late, you had Jordan Howard kind of come in at the closer uh, and really bang it between the tackles. And I kind of wonder if that's a formula that we'll see. Obviously, when the Eagles played the, the Bucks back in week six, that was a you know a different philosophy, a different offense philosophically, right? I mean, they only oh, ran yeah. the ball. I think what did the running backs have two or three carries uh, in the first half? Uh, my guess is, is that that will be passed uh, on the opening drive. Yes, uh, yes. It, it, um, it would be the plan, right? So one thing I'm thinking about now as we talk a little bit about this game, and and as we were joking before we started this podcast, I, I don't believe anybody from the coaching staff will be giving me a call, uh, you know, momentarily, but. I wonder if this is a game where you think maybe in terms of a little more gap scheme, because gap scheme gives you angles and angles gives you an opportunity to kind of almost to use your term, lean on people, get, get leverage on bigger players. And we know, for instance, how good Dickerson and Maialata are uh, when they have angles, when they, when they down block. So again, I think the Eagles run game will likely be expansive and multiple as it always is, but I'm just wondering if the sort of the ratio between zone and gap scheme could shift a little to gap scheme just because the angle blocks, the leverage blocks might be a better fit against the Veyas and the Sues, you know, than against, you know, yep. the smaller, quicker line. Yeah. And when you say gap scheme, you're speaking more uh, oftentimes with a puller, you'll see power, you'll see counter uh, and, you know, more examples. That's just so that that's a paint that visual. Uh, yeah, And you get to, and what happens there? You're right. I should have because it's you and I talking and sometimes I forget. But but so what happens when you get a puller from one side on the play side, you get the double team yep. and the double team allows you to get the angles and to get 700 pounds of man on a D tackle, you know, whether it's a three technique or a one technique um, or a nose, however they, they line up. So just something that I was thinking about in terms of what the approach might be. Yeah, and I think, too, the, the other element of this is that, uh, again, going back to the differences between this Eagles team and the one that played the Bucks in week six is that uh, the Eagles leaning into that QB run game and have been much more creative in terms of how they're utilizing Jalen Hurts, who now actually has that extra, extra week of rest uh, yes. in week 18, having not participated uh, in that game against Dallas. So uh, that ankle injury, you'd hope, is one step closer to being 100%. Nick Sirianni kind of referred to that and was like, hey, look, uh, we wanted our guys to be full bore and ready to go. 
they're hopeful that they'll have Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard uh, for this game. Obviously, Gainwell, Boston Scott, everybody uh, healthy here for this matchup. And so uh, I do wonder, and I, I almost reflect back to another uh, divisional game. Remember that first game against the New York Giants, uh, the QB counters, the QB powers. Uh, we saw a number of those concepts. I wonder how much of that we will see in this matchup as well. And I think you make a great point. I was going to make that point as well, that I think with Hertz now ideally being healthy, which I'm sure he is, uh, you know, now it's time to lay it on the line. I will think I would think that you would see the QB run game being a major part because you hit on something that I think is really important when you start it. I think they want to get those big guys playing sideline to sideline. We know Devin White can run. Yep. Um, I don't know Levante David's status. So, Levante, so basically the, the, the Bucks come into this week with a couple of guys, key players on injured reserve. Uh, Leonard Fournette, who they shut down at the end of the regular season, right. hopeful that he'll be back. It sounds like he will be good to go. Levante David, Bruce Arian said on Monday, a little bit questionable as to whether or not he, he will be ready. That one's a little bit more up in the air. So it, it may not be Levante David. It'll, it'll be more of uh, Kevin Minter, Kevin Minter. And, uh, and KJ Britt as well in there. Right, right. So, But the, the point being, we know Devin White can run, but the point yep. is you want to get those big guys having to play sideline to sideline. So I would expect the run game to also attack the perimeter, um, and that includes Jalen Hurts. So I think Jalen Hurts, to me, will be a big factor in the run game this week, and I think he should be. The the interesting thing, I mean, when the Eagles prepared to play the Bucks back in Week Six, we talked about how uh, they were number one. And you talked, this is a great run defense historically since Todd Bowles has been there. Uh, you look at the personnel they've got; this is a really good run defense. Uh, if you look just pure volume. They've they've you know stopped the run at a very high rate. I think what has been interesting though, we've seen this especially in the second half of the year uh, with Levante David out. They're averaging actually a full yard more per carry with David yeah. out of the lineup, a, a huge loss. And then also Vita Vea, uh, he's been in and out of the lineup. He's healthy now, but he was out of the lineup for a bit, uh, and that also uh, kind of hurt their ability to be able to stop the run. One interesting note, just kind of going through some numbers, Greg. While they are, are still pretty high, you know, top 10, top 15 in you know yards per attempt and, and things like that, explosive runs, big play runs, they're 30th in the NFL on explosive run percentage allowed. They've gotten gashed by certain teams. And, and even just recently against the Jets just a couple of weeks ago. So uh, it seems like there are some cracks uh, that the Eagles yes. can take advantage of. I remember the game against the Colts a number of weeks ago um, where uh, – the Colts came into the game believing, hey, we can't run the ball, and they didn't run and actually threw it well. And then in the fourth quarter, they just went to the running game on a drive, and they just gashed them. So you're right. It has not been quite the same. But, again, they have very good players, so you don't want to just assume. Uh, so I think the Eagles' run game has to be really tactical, and it will be, because they have to run the ball to some degree. Well, and that, the big thing is that, you know, whenever we talk about a Todd Bowles defense, what's the big thing we go back to is all the pressure packages. And yep. you, if you're able to run the football and we, we get into the, some of those same old uh, the, the same old axioms, right? Run the ball well, stay ahead of the sticks, don't get into third and long against Todd Bowles and this pressure package. That's the last thing you want. So here's here's my next thought, and you tell me what you think. I think that they're they're going to know that at some point they're going to have to throw the ball in this game. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, at some point you're going to, you're, you are going to have a third and long here and there. So you're going to have to deal well, with it. So instead of getting into those situations, which you'll get into some of them and they're inevitable in every game, do you change your ratio a bit on first down and maybe be proactive throwing the ball, you know, throwing the ball when you, you know what the defense will be, you have a much better idea of the fronts because all those pressure fronts and multiple fronts come out of nickel you know the, the the base fronts 
you want to throw against base fronts where you're more likely to get coverages that you know, tendency coverages. So maybe this is a game where you, you know, in so many words, you say to Jalen Hurts, hey, you know, we're going to, you're going to make some throws here. We're yeah. going to, we're, we're confident in you. We're going to come out. There's going to be first and tens where you're going to throw the ball and feel that, hey, because this way you're not going to get the pressure. You're going to get predictable looks, both from a front and coverage standpoint, and you attack instead of feeling like, oh, let's see if we can run. And if we can't, then we're asking our quarterback, um, you know, to have to make third and eight and third and nine throws. And you really don't want to be in that situation. Now, the thing about Jalen Hurts is his legs always become a factor in those situations. Yep. The Bucs are not a high percentage cover one defense, but they do like to play a lot of two man. Yep. I don't know how much two man they would play against Jalen Hurts. No, they, they lead the league in two man coming into this game. And I can't imagine we'll see too much of that in this one. No, I would agree. So um, it'll be interesting, you know, but I would, I, again, just, my opinion based on film study and what I know about defense and the looks and the, the fronts and the coverages is the, the, it's much more tendency predictable on first and 10 yep. from a defensive standpoint. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles try to be a little proactive throwing the ball. Especially so, if Levante David is healthy, they're actually a top ten team in terms of uh, base defense percentage. They they do this is the opposite of what you know. I remember we we talked last week about the Cowboys. They live in their sub. They they're big nickel nickel. Right, they, right. you know, they, I think they've run like uh, 30, twenty snaps of base defense all year. Probably actually, I think less than that. It might be single digit. Um, but the, this defense, they are willing to go uh, with four down and, and three stack backers. I think when you look at uh, the way that they want to try and attack, the, you know, the, those coverages are going to be there. My question for you is this. The last time these two teams met, you saw a bunch of backups in the secondary. The Eagles were unable to take advantage of that. Uh, yeah. Carlton Davis was out. Jamel Dean was out. Sean Murphy Bunting was out. Uh, Richard Sherman was in starting, and he got hurt on the opening drive. But those guys are now back in this game. We'll see about Jamel Dean. He tweaked his hamstring on Sunday, yeah. so uh, he's kind of up in the air. But I just want to get your thoughts on that trio of corners because they, they were big for the Bucks last year in that Super Bowl run, especially in the playoffs. You had Carlton Davis, Dean, and Murphy Bunting. Yeah, and in their base, it's Murphy Bunting and, and uh, outside, Dean yeah. on the outside. Yeah. And then De uh, um, Dean comes in as the outside corner in nickel. They don't play much dime at all. So he comes in in nickel as the outside corner with Murphy Bunting moving inside. If he can't go, it'll be Pierre Desir, who has been in the league. They'll be perfectly happy with him because, hey, let's face it, the other Eagle receivers – Besides Devonta Smith, I don't think they look at them and say, wow, that's a big issue. We're, we're really worried about that. So if it's Pierre Desir, they'll be OK. Um, you know, like we said, they don't play a ton of cover one. Um, they play more zone. They're a more zone based defense. Um, I would not expect us, as we said, to see them play a lot of two man in passing situations because of Jalen Hurts. Um, but I think their corners are pretty good. I mean, I think, you know, they normally don't travel and I don't think they would travel in this game yep. because I don't think Carlton Davis is a good matchup for Devonta Smith. Just, you know, Davis is a big physical corner uh, and I don't think they put Murphy, Murphy bunting on him to travel. So I think they would just play sides. The one thing I'm interested in, last year, Greg, they were, they play, I know and Todd Bowles in his past has been more man coverage based. Do you think because of the injuries uh, that they've suffered this year, they had to lean more into playing more zone? Or do you think that that's kind of a shift philosophically for Todd Bowles? That's almost impossible to know. Yeah, right. Yeah, just because of all the injuries, you know, and, you know, sometimes you have to adjust and make do. Um, you know, he did not have, even when Richard Sherman could play, he's not really a man corner. No. So, so I think he probably did it out of necessity. 
Um, we do know they're a heavy blitz team. Yep. It'll be very interesting to see what kind of pressures, because clearly if you're going to blitz, you can't give Jalen Hurts the ability to get a, to, escape, to yeah. get a lane yep. because then you're because then you're just out of bodies. Yep. You know, then you get the big runs. And that's the thing about quarterbacks that can do that is they can demoralize you. You know, when it's third and nine, if you choose to blitz, you cannot let Jalen Hurts run for, for 15 yards. No, you know, so yep. we'll see how he sort of structures his pressures. You know, teams do different things when you get to the playoffs, as you know. So it's easy to say they've been. You know, the average person will probably say, oh, you know, Todd Bowles is coming. But we don't know that. I mean, right. my think he is based on what he's done during the season. Um, but they really haven't faced a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. No, they had Taysom Hill. They really was that, that, yeah. Taysom Hill, but that's a totally different offense. Yes. Right. So there's no real uh, comparison or analogy with their season to say how they would play against Jalen Hurts. And, and like you said, the whole week six thing. I, I don't put a lot of stock in that right now. Yeah, I mean, just even going back, like person, there was no Dallas Goddard in that game, no Lane Johnson yeah. in that game. It was a short week. Uh, we know where the Eagles were stylistically at that yeah. point. Just a uh, you know a different set of circumstances. Uh, real quickly before we go, go over to the other side of the ball as well, um, that safety duo I think is is kind of underrated in the league. second Very year. Guy, Antoine Winfield is re- is a really good player when he's been out there. He actually White missed a good player. White, Whitehead's a good player. Uh, yeah. I want you to kind of get your thoughts on those two guys. Oh no, I. I you know, Winfield, I think most people know about his second round pick. He was a really good player as a rookie last year, right? Wasn't he a rookie last year? He was yeah. yep, second round pick out of Minnesota yeah, last year. That's right. Yeah. Um, a player I think we both like coming out of college. Um, you know, I think he's a really good player. I think he's, you know, he's to me, he's not used the same way, but I think he has kind of Buddha Baker traits in the sense that he can do a lot of things well. He's aggressive, he's active, he sees things. Uh, plays with his eyes really effectively, isn't asked to do, let's say, what Buda Baker is asked to do overall, but I think he's that style of player. Um, Whitehead's a really good, you know, he's an unknown player to a lot of people, but he's been their starter now for a couple of years under Todd Bowles, and Bowles has had a history of getting a lot out of safeties. Uh, I mean, I remember going back to when he was the D coordinator with Miami. I'm probably going back 12, 13, 14 years. And he had, and you'll remember the name. He had a safety named Jeremiah Bell. Sure, you know, yeah. and for a couple of years, he was a really good player. It's actually not a bad comp for Whitehead. I think him and Whitehead are kind of similar in a lot of ways. They might well be, you know, and I think he gets a lot out of safeties. Um, and Whitehead, he, he's a very good blitzer. They use him in their blitz packages at times. Um, he he he's the one who tends to play more in the box than Winfield. He's a physical, aggressive player. Uh, one other group we didn't hit too much on. We talked about the the two inside guys with Vita Vea and Indomitian Sue, um, but we got to talk about these edge guys as well, Greg, with, with Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, uh, Joe Tryon, the rookie Joe first. Joe Tryon round has had a good very player. good rookie season. Yeah, uh, so just I mean, when they when they get into third down, that's a, they're a factor. But also a run game, especially JPP and Tryon is a high effort player as well, uh, and what he could bring to the run game as well. And they move Tryon all over. They do. So it's going to be interesting because look, Todd might feel, and and that's why just by looking at track record this year and blitz percentage doesn't mean that's going to happen in this game. He might see how it goes early on with Barrett and Pierre Paul and Tryon working against Maillard and Lane Johnson. I mean, look what they did last year in the Super Bowl, you know, where they basically rushed for most of the game. You know, everybody said blitz, blitz, blitz. He didn't do a ton of that. He may see how that goes before he decides whether he wants to bring pressure. 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of the things to watch uh, early on, in the, not just in the game, but then even as we get into the second half, we'll see how that changes yep. uh, as the game progresses. Let's get over to the opposite side, uh, Greg, and they've got, they've got a quarterback that can play a little bit uh, over on that side with uh, with Tom Brady, uh, a guy you've seen plenty of film on over the years. Oh, I'm blown away by the way he throws a ball. I mean, look, we know you don't have to be a power thrower with tremendous velocity to be a great quarterback in this league. Um but I'm just blown away by how well Brady is throwing the ball at this age. He throws with velocity. He can throw the deep ball. He throws with touch and pace. I mean, really just from throwing a football and the nuances and the details of throwing a ball, there's few better than, than Tom Brady. Um, you know, I've said that I think Aaron Rodgers may be the best thrower I've ever seen. Brady's a different kind of thrower, yep. but he, he can he can drive the football much more so than he's been given credit for, I think, throughout his career. And the one thing I've always believed about Brady, you know, we live in an era, Fran, where most of the people out there believe that to play quarterback in the NFL today, you have to have second reaction ability. Well, if you say that, and, and that may or may not be true, it's an easy thing to say, then you have to have an answer for Tom Brady. What's your answer for Tom Brady? You can't just say, well, he's great. That's not an answer. Um, there's a process involved here. There, there's no better quarterback playing right now who wins more before the ball is snapped. He knows where to go before the ball snap. And if by chance there's a, uh, you know, an old lineman gets speed, or you probably watched the game this week there in the first half, there were some snaps, which were very interesting. Although I'm not sure this is in Jonathan Gannon's arsenal right now, but there were some snaps against the Panthers because it isn't Phil Snow's arsenal with a lot of pressure fronts, disguise, late movement. They caught Brady a couple of times in the first half. I'm sure you noticed that. Yeah, it's one of the plays. I'm going to be breaking that play, one of those plays down, actually, on the Eagles game plan this week. Yeah, the second play of the game, I believe, the second drop back was a really interesting one to me where they showed, I think it might have been a double mug. It was a pressure front, and then they dropped out into, I believe it was cover two. Um, And he came and he he wanted to go back to, is that the one we wanted to go backside to Cameron Bray? I can't remember, but he ended up throwing it down the seam to Gronk, and it should have been picked off. Okay. Um, But the point is, is I'm not sure that's in the Eagles' arsenal right now. Now, could it be? I'm sure it's in the playbook, you know, but, but, you know, obviously we know he's great, but my guess is the Eagles will still show up and Jonathan Gannon will still coach this week. So what you're trying to do is you're just trying to make Brady have to wait a beat. That's, That's all you're trying to do. Um, But you get into the whole now you get into a really important matchup in this game, which is D line pass rush versus Bucks O line Bucks O line arguably is the best pass protecting O line in the NFL. So that to me is such an intriguing matchup in this game. I mean, it's it's just it's fascinating just even like looking at the stats, Greg. If and if you just look, if you don't even watch an ounce of the film and you say, all right, well, what do we know about Bruce Arians' offense? We know, hey, you know, over the course of his career, wherever he's been, it's the you know the no risk it, no biscuit. It's a vertical based right. offense, not quarterback friendly. But then you look and it's like, all right, well, and that's what and that carries out in the stats, right? I mean, they're they're second in the NFL in deep pass attempts, they're first in the NFL in expo- explosive pass plays. Like I said, just not a QB friendly offense because you have to hold on to the football, right, to be able to allow those routes uh, to get down the field. No, that's not that's not the case. You look at Tom Brady right now. Ninety. I saw this stat coming into this week, Greg. This is from Next Gen Stats. Ninety six percent of his passes in the first seventeen weeks 
came from the pocket, 96%. And yep. he was one of the leaders in time to throw. The ball came out, I think it's two, under two and a half seconds. No QB has more completions, yards, or touchdowns this year on quick passes where the ball comes out in under two and a half seconds. And that is wild. And they're they're number one in sacks allowed. They're number one in hits allowed. They're number two uh, in hurries allowed. They're third in pressures allowed. Like he's never touched. He operates from within that six by six box behind the center. And the ball's going to come out. And it's not just, hey, the ball's going to come out and it's going to go three yards or it's going to go four yards. No, no. They're vertical shot plays that just the ball comes out in rhythm. Correct. But I guess until he learns how to run around a little, he won't be any good. Right. Well, I, okay. I guess that's the thing, too, is like uh, and we've seen this over the years. right? I mean, Tom Brady's been around long enough where you get all the well, you can't you can't play zone against Tom Brady because he's going to pick you apart. He's going to find the holes. Oh, well, you can't play man against Tom Brady because he's going to find the matchup. Oh, you can't you can't blitz him because he's going to find the hole. Oh, well, you can't play the four. You can't just sit back and play four man rush. So I want to ask you this. It seems like one team that has got you know, we're not going to say blueprint. We're not going to say we're not going to use talking that about word. the Saints. The Saints have the Saints have done a nice job against him over these last couple of years that he's been in the in the division. Uh, and I think that w- watching those two games back uh, this week and even going back to last year, some of the things that they've done against him, I think they do a great job of exactly what you talked about. We saw from Carolina uh, early on in this game was late late movement in the pre-snap phase from the secondary and then also mixing up front hey we're gonna it might be a three or four man rush but before the snap we're showing five we're showing six and then we're gonna buzz out we're gonna drop guys out you don't know who's coming who's not you're gonna force you to to think a little bit after the snap but here's what i will say and that's why i said i don't know if that's in jonathan gannon's arsenal right now because we haven't seen that kind of thing really from the eagles this year much at all that's that's part of Dennis Allen's you know he's the DC for the Saints that's part of what he does that's part of what Phil Snow the D coordinator for the Panthers does you know will the I think, we've, I think we've seen it a little like enough in like in spurts though I, I guess we haven't seen it over the course of an entire game like what we've seen from Allen right. but I mean, there, there have been, I think there, you know, there, there have been plays where we've seen, uh, you know, them line up and say, Hey, here's a, a five man front, six man front. And it's actually only three coming and we're going to get a free runner. There's the zone exchange blitz with, uh, with TJ Edwards last week, that, a couple weeks ago, rather that sets up the Josh sweat side. Oh, we've seen examples. It's just right, right. Of, but, in but, this game plan, are they going to cater that to do it? But more I guess often? I don't think of those just that I'm thinking more along the lines of the true multiple front looks, right. You know, where there's you have a lot of pressure fronts. I know the Eagles line up with a lot of five man fronts, but that's kind of their base deal. That right. won't be abnormal to the Bucks. They yep. won't look at that and think, "Wow, I'm seeing something I didn't expect." I'm talking about all those multiple front looks where people are in positions you don't necessarily expect them, and there's six people on the line of scrimmage, and you don't know who's coming and who's not coming. There are certain teams that you and I know do that just as part of their deal. The Ravens sure. do that. The Saints do that. You know, the Panthers do that. You know, I'm probably I'm, I know I'm missing a few teams as well, but. Is it in Jonathan Gannon's playbook? Of course it is. Every coach has things like that in his playbook. The question is, will he do that? Right. Um, you know, and, and most teams will play zone behind that because I think the Eagles will end up playing a lot of zone this week because even though they're down receivers um, and it's likely to be, you know, it'll be Evans who they'll move around. He does not line up in one place. It'll probably be Evans, Tyler Johnson, and Brashard Perriman. You know, I still don't know if the Eagles truly match up well to play a meaningful amount of true man coverage. 
Yeah, and that, that will be interesting to see because, obviously, no Chris Godwin, who is such an important part oh. of that offense, uh, both obviously in the pass game and also in the run game as well. Uh, you know, So no Godwin, no Antonio Brown, obviously. So uh, you come into this, you mentioned Tyler Johnson, who uh, has done a decent amount of work in the slot as well as outside. Uh, Brashad Perriman, who's had success for Bruce Arians in the past. That's why they yes. are for this organization, I should say, uh, in the past. But Cyril Grayson is another guy that uh, they've brought up here. They've brought him up from the practice squad, and he's been a kind of a key piece for them over these last couple of weeks, a speedster guy, a guy that can work vertically, uh, someone to just keep an eye on. Uh, Scotty Miller is now healthy. So they're, they, they're trying to get these guys back into the lineup. And Scotty Miller can run. Grayson yep. came out after six plays this week. It looked like an injury. So yeah. So I'm that's something sure. to keep an eye on. Yeah. I'm not sure what his status is as we speak on a Monday night, yep. but Miller's an interesting guy. He made a bunch of plays for them last year and he can run, you know, he's one of those guys you don't think about him, but he can run. He's the um, one who caught that deep ball over Kevin King in the title game against Green Bay, right? Uh, the, the one just before half. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, yes, yeah. So he, he had that big play so, last year. And had a big move. Oh, yeah. I, I think what Jonathan Gannon chooses to do and what he, you know, and, and the other thing, too, is you have to feel your players are capable of that. And I'm not saying they're bad players. That's not the point. But, you know, you can have a great linebacker who's not a great blitzer. You know, you can have a great linebacker who's not great man coverage. I mean, you he has to decide, hey. Yeah, in an ideal world, I would love to do X and Y, but I'm going to have to do Z instead because I'm not sure if my players can execute X and Y at the level required to play against the greatest quarterback of all time. So that's why I'm so intrigued by this because what we know is you can't just line up and play in the same thing, snap after snap after snap. You can't do that. Yeah. One guy who did not play back in week six, and I'm interested to kind of get your thoughts and see how he factors into this matchup. And he's a part of the discussion when you talk about the lack of receiving options at wide receiver is Rob Gronkowski, uh, because uh, he, he's been very productive uh, when he's the been last month on or the so, field. Yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. interested to get your thoughts on how you knew that they'll use him in this game. Well, another reason why I don't know how much man the Eagles can play, because who matches up to Gronk if you're right. going to play man? Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a good question. I mean, they, they've kind of made the Eagles of mixed and match. It's been mostly uh, I know, you know Marcus Epps has been used in that role, um, but that's uh, that's going to be the discussion. Right. I mean, Gronk is really good on seam routes. He's really good on crossers or overs. Um, obviously, one thing I definitely want to mention is their use of him as the single receiver to the boundary. You know, the one by three set where it's three wide receivers to trips. He's the boundary X. That's a really difficult matchup. You have to decide how you want to handle that. Um, and then as part of that, they very often line up Mike Evans as number three to trips, meaning he's the closest receiver to the formation. And then you have to decide how you handle that. That's a tough deal. What, what are the things on the table for a defense when you're faced with that kind of dilemma? Well, if you're not, if you're playing man, let's leave it. If, if, if you're playing man, yeah, that, that's. If, the, if you're you know, playing man, it's you got him and yes. whoever, you know, right, right. Um, but if you're playing zone, then you have to decide what zone, what do you feel like to me? And again, Jonathan Gannon's a lot smarter than I am with a lot more information at his fingertips than I have, but I don't think you want to give up the seams. And I think if you play a lot of single high, the seams become a problem unless you want to carry seams and then you open up routes underneath. underneath right. One yep. thing about Brady is if you show him a seven yard throw, He's going to throw that every single time. And that's and what he did. That's what he did back in week six against this team. I, mean, right. the Eagles got, I think Leonard Fournette had like seven, eight catches uh, in that game. Right. And he'll take it every single time. And because he doesn't make mistakes, he'll march down the field. He's one of those guys that you can say, oh, let's make him go 
10 plays. He'll go 10 plays and he'll complete every ball. So, I, you know, to me, split safety quarters, you don't want to give up the seams. Um, you know, I think you might see a lot of that. You, you might see some quarter, quarter, half, sure. you know, playing half to the, to the boundary side. But I mean, I just don't think you can allow Gronkowski uh, or Evans, if he's lined up at number three to trips to, to work, you know, run down the seam. I just don't think you can allow that to happen. Yeah, it's something to watch. And this isn't quite in the same milk of what we're talking about in terms of the, those checkdowns underneath. But uh, they also ran a bunch of screens against the Eagles in that game in week six and really gashed them on those. They're actually second in the NFL in screen attempts this year. So uh, whether it's to the receivers, to the backs, to the tight end, yeah. uh, the screen game, a big part of this offense. Uh, we mentioned Leonard Fournette there. Um Coming back from injury, I mentioned earlier, he, he did not play down the stretch here in the regular season. They're hoping that they'll have him back here uh, this week. What does his presence mean for this run game? Well, I think with him, because he is a space runner, he needs room to generate velocity because he's not he's a tight hip runner. He does not have quick feet and can find space. So what they've had a lot of success with, Fran, I'm sure you noticed this in studying them, is they like to pull and they like to get him on the perimeter so he can start to generate some velocity and some speed because he's not really an inside runner. Um, we thought he was maybe coming out of LSU. It hasn't quite turned out that way in the NFL. So they use him that way a lot. You mentioned the receiving element. He catches a lot of balls that are not checkdowns. He catches them as a receiver who's just a short receiver who's part of the route combination. And if you give Brady that throw, he throws it to him. You know, I mean, yeah, it's as simple as I mean, that. Despite missing these last few games, he's actually third on their team in targets and by like a wide margin. He's got 62 yeah. targets. Antonio Brown had 42 uh, by the time he was cut. Um, yeah, because you know, they throw it. That Brady game. will throw it to him. Yeah. But, you know, that's one of the great things. That one of the things that I think makes Brady great is he's not impatient in the pocket. You know, that he'll take shots when it's appropriate. But if you give him those throws, he is going to take those throws. And all of a sudden it's second and two. And then he they get a first down. And then it's second and two again. And they get a first down. And all of a sudden they're, you know, they're in, in the red zone. And, and that's another area which we just need to mention because they're phenomenal in the red zone. And the Eagles have not been phenomenal in the red zone on defense. Yeah, it's definitely a, a game within the game there. Uh I think I think just looking at this matchup, um, you know, it really does come down on this side of the football trying to find ways, as you mentioned, to, to get Brady to second guess, uh, you know, what he's seeing. If, if just hold it a tick longer, uh, give your guys right. up front that ability. Cause to me, you've got to find ways to be able to, to win up front, whether that's through skill or whether that's through scheme, they have to find quick wins that up is. front with Fletcher Cox, you know, Josh sweat, that whole group. You nailed it because you talked about the saints and I know you went back and looked at that. And then I'm very familiar with those games because we've dealt a lot with those games on the matchup show. Sure. One of the things that stood out in every one of those games is the Saints D line was the more dominant unit over the Bucks O line. And yeah. the Bucks O line is normally really good, but the Saints D line was the more dominant group. And the Eagles D line has to be the more dominant group. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, a big part uh, of this matchup for sure. Uh, Greg, we'll be back to uh, break this all down next week. Win or loss, we'll be back next week uh, to break it all down right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. 
Hey, Eagles fans, get ready for the game each Sunday with an exclusive look at Eagles pregame warmups brought to you live each week. When you join myself, Amy Campbell, and Eagles insider Dave Spadaro on the kickoff show presented by Exalta, we provide Eagles-focused analysis, late-breaking news, and the team perspective that you cannot get anywhere else. The kickoff show presented by Exalta can be seen live 50 minutes before kickoff on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. Great stuff from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show. But the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. And I want to give a shout-out today to someone who did exactly that. Pat left a five-star review saying this podcast is for football junkies. It is great for any diehard Eagles fans who have a desire to learn more about the game of football. It's my favorite Eagles podcast because it is so educational. Pat, thank you so much uh, for your support. Thanks so much for the five-star rating. Great stuff from Pat, and thank you to to them, and thank you to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the NovaCare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week. When the clock hits all zeros, the game might be over, but the action is not. Join us for the post-game show presented by Rico for instant reaction. Watch live as Coach Nick Sirianni and Eagles players come to the podium and meet with the media. We will make sure you do not miss a word. Myself, Ike Reese, and Gabriella Giovanni will also break down the game live at the desk and hear from Eagles insider Dave Spadaro to get his thoughts. The post-game show presented by Rico can be seen on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, and the team's social media channels.